What's up, guys? This is Mitch with the RMR Podcast. Back to you guys with another week of content in music, cannabis, marketing, branding, and all of the above. Man, today we got a real special guest with us. But before I get into that, I want to cover just a few topics. Uh, my co-host, J- Joey Bravo, J-Ping, sadly is not joining us today. Caught up in that Los Angeles traffic. Uh, I don't know what highway he's on, but there was an and he is missing the deadline to hop on tonight. Um, you know, I, I think everything's safe, just making his way there. Um, so, you know, usually we, we start this off talking about what we're smoking on for Joey. I'll uh, give his opinion for him because he's not here. He's most definitely smoking on some mids, potentially some middle-class mids, extra midi mids. Um, no, I'm sure he's smoking on some fire. He's been doing the taste test reviews. I'm not quite sure what he did this week. Otherwise I could tell you what all he smoked because he's been reviewing about everything live. Um, sorry, trying to share this. Um, he's been reviewing about everything he smokes. So whether I physically talk to him about it or see it on here, I usually see what he goes. Um, what I've been smoking on men is I, I, uh, the house of cultivar, uh, up here in Seattle, um, dropped this Grand Crew line uh, a couple months ago. I'm trying to think of when it, when it went live. I've known about it for a while, but it dropped, I think, a couple months ago. And um, their Grand Crew line is kind of their special batch, limited edition, uh, top, top shelf flower. Um, you know, their usual ace go around 45, 50, uh, I believe. And this these go for like 55, 60. Um, it's, uh, you know, they do killer flower regardless, and they're one of the uh, one of the um, premier growers in the Washington market when it comes to indoor flower at scale. I really think they do it well from breeding, genetics, tissue culture lab. They really do their thing. Um, you know, we've reviewed a lot of cannabis these last few years, and we rate them on a 10-point scale, and, you know, they're someone that rates really high on every level of the 10 point scale on a very consistent basis. Um, even strains I don't like do really well, but today what I've been smoking on this week, I'm almost done with this quarter, uh, is the galactic runts. It's a Falcon nine times runts. Um, you know, when I first stumbled upon runts when I was getting its hype in the Bay was that probably two years ago. Uh, I was really, you know, big fan of that. I'm a gelato guy myself. I know it's hype. I know it's played out, but I just like it. Um, but runs, you know, when I first stumbled on white runs, it was really good, but noticeably the buds were really small, kind of popcornish nugs when it came to run strain. Um, obviously, at this point, there's been enough breeding where people have added some some density and some weight to it. But these galactic runs, um, I don't know how well you can always see on here, but man, they're like some big, chunky, chunky runs, man. It is um, it is a great this. I just I just reviewed it this week. I think I gave this like a nine point nine or a ten. Very rare ten. Uh, I so little give off tens. I like was about to say 10 and jumped it down to a 9.9, probably for no reason, but that's some killer, killer flower. Super stoked on the grand crew line from a uh, house of cultivar and the, 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 the galactic runs, um, something in the music world this week, we saw title sold off uh, a portion of their company, or I believe the whole company to square, 
um, for a large sum of money, which netted Jay-Z, I think a quarter of a billion or half a billion on that sale uh, alone. But the most exciting thing about that is, you know, Tidal came out for the artist, the, the platform for artists and by artists. And that was their main mantra that didn't really connect with the consumer base on a heavy level as it really shouldn't. Um, it was a premium price product. And in my opinion, as a consumer, it was a little bit less valuable than like a Spotify or an Apple Music. Um, so it didn't really connect with the consumer graphics. The audio files were there, engineers, people in music, because it was a bit better quality. But again, the consumer, kind of the main value points for Tidal didn't really have much value to the end consumer, which is really what you need to worry about when you're making consumer goods, um, where you want mass consumer adoption. Um, but this recent move acquisition through Square I think is something that could be really, really exciting for the space considering what Square has done with the Cash App and then Cash App acquiring uh, or, or adding the ability to do some of the, the basic crypto. I think they do Bitcoin, maybe Ethereum on there. Might just be Bitcoin. I'm not quite sure. I don't use it for Bitcoin. But nevertheless, that's kind of expanded the platform for consumers. So I think adding in Tidal there, there might be some way where they can create new monetization or better monetization for artists. And if they get enough of the industry behind that, that'll push over to consumers. You know, I think if artists hold on for a while, it was like artists were doing special releases with Apple Music and Spotify was doing its thing. So everyone was kind of uh, segregated on what platform they wanted to use. If the artists move over to a singular platform, that's going to force the consumers kind of to move there. Um, but also, you know, they just could unlock possibilities for DIY and indie artists through the payment platform and the system that we see through Square. Um, that could just be something that's super, super exciting for the industry. I'm, I'm really excited to see kind of where it goes, how it shakes things up. I'm all for disruption. I'm all for, you know, things are the way they are and people get real accustomed to that until some motherfucker with the right tenacity or idea comes in and shakes that shit up. And a lot of times makes things for the better. Um, so I am, I'm just excited to see what kind of po disruption possibilities are happen or, or possible through this new uh, merger of Square and Tidal. Um, but again, today, you know, our guest is, is tuning in all the way from Los Angeles, man. We're going to be talking a little bit about the cannabis industry and, and his rise through here. So I'm about to welcome in uh, Brad from 710 Labs. What is going on, Brad? How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good, man. Can you give me your last name? I, I know I've seen it online, but I'm 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 terrible with pronunciation. All good, Brad Melshanker. Melshanker. Okay, so that's not even that hard, man. It's not even that hard. Yeah. So, um, I should I should have ran it through like the the Google like pronounce. You put something through there. Sometimes I do that for you. All good. <laughs> Shit. So my my last name is Fiverr, but it's spelled P F. So like I'm my whole life, people have been saying my my name wrong, man. I didn't even want to attempt it. So, man, how how are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. Long weekend with the fam, but I feel good and ready for another week. And uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining, especially in the evening, because I know anybody in the cannabis industry, you know, I know you're starting your Monday real early. Um, so I appreciate you making the time in the evening. I, I know these hours are precious, you know, A, being with the family and B, getting that sleep so you can be ready for the grind. So super appreciate yeah. <laughs> No doubt. Yeah, Sundays at 8 p.m. are rough, but uh, <laughs> I made a promise that I'd do it. I'm happy to be here. Awesome, man. Thank you. So um, could you give me a little bit of a backstory kind of, and this can predate 710 Labs, but a little bit, and also whatever you're comfortable with, but a little bit of your history kind of within cannabis and, and how, how you've kind of gotten up to kind of the conception of the start of 710 Labs. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I started building my relationship with this plant about 22 years ago when 
um, my brother introduced me to it and um, you know I I basically from the beginning started selling weed at uh, when, I, when I found out the first time I loved cannabis after the first bong hit I took um, basically was like how am I going to afford this and I didn't really have excess money so I was like I got to figure out a way to sell it I guess so um, that was just like 15 years old started that way went to college and kind of hustled my way through to be totally straight and um thank god uh nothing serious came of me getting arrested or anything and i uh turned it into a real profession when i moved out to la from the east coast in 2005 moved out here to uh build a fashion brand with a couple buddies that's still around today i bailed out to pursue this dream but um uh you know i first initially just built the relationships with cultivators and dispensaries back in like the prop 215 days here in la and kind of learned the scene learned who the faces were the players and built those relationships and then in 2008 i, I said i really got to give this a shot on my own and uh and raised a little friends and family capital to build my first grow facility which was like a nine bedroom house in encino um, and the whole concept at that time was like, um, we're going to, it's called the greenest green and we're going to be the most eco-friendly cannabis collective yeah. in the country, flushless toilets, like LED lights before LED were a thing. So, um, found a grower back East that moved out to be my partner and he, uh, me and him ran this house and it was a total failure. We ran LEDs in 2008, basically before we were just trying to be ahead of the time and total failure lost all our money we're like what do we do next and uh heard that colorado was coming online in terms of being a for-profit business instead of a non-profit like california was back then and uh, that was that was appealing to us because as much as we did want to give back we also wanted to make some money doing this and uh and make a profession out of it and so um went to Colorado, met with some attorneys and they said, yeah, you can, you can open up. It's pretty much, uh, up to the cities, whatever you want to do. And went to Boulder cause that's where I was familiar. I visited some friends there in college and, um, opened the fourth dispensary in Boulder and kind of brought the dab hash bar concept out from California. At that time I took my first dab in 2008 at a dispensary called uh, kind meds in the Valley here. And I thought this was like the future of cannabis. And I was like, I got to develop, I developed like a hash bar cause onsite consumption was legal then. And um, so we called it the greenest green in Boulder and we had a little grow facility down the street and that was kind of the kick kickoff to it. And then that expanded over the years. And at that time we were, we brought like hash and dabs to uh, Colorado with us. So every, every patient that walked in the door got a dab for their first time being there. And at that time we didn't, uh, we were pretty ignorant to properly, how to properly dab, what, right, sure. what the right temperatures were. So there was people tripping out. There was people having a great time. There was people vomiting, um, and and you know, looking back, uh, while it was fun, it was it was risky and dangerous. And um, you know, uh, we learned a lot from it, and we're very grateful that nothing serious happened. But um, so that was kind of the kickoff, and then that that dispensary basically um, kicked off Seven Ten Labs. The hash and the dabs we were selling there became Seven Ten Labs. We're like, we should brand this separately so we can sell it to other dispensaries we built what i think is the first hydrocarbon extraction facility for cannabis in the country if not the world back in 2010 2011 the state came in and said how'd you know how to build this i said i had no idea i asked the city of boulder they said hire an industrial hygienist and make us a plan 
And I was like, what the fuck is an industrial hygienist? And did some research and basically the people that the cops call to go into a meth lab when they bust it to make sure it's safe. And I was like, all right. So I found this guy on Google and um, learned how to build a safe uh, hydrocarbon extraction facility for cannabis. And <coughs> I know you're in Seattle, but we um, I was coming out there a lot to visit some glass blowers. And I noticed this tide shifting to solventless um, concentrates in like 2012, 2013, maybe in 2014. And all the glass parties I was going to and uh and all that they were smoke starting to smoke solventless so i was like we got we got to get on this train and learn learn that side of the extraction process and then i learned how and, and while we were still cultivating it was important um, more on the solventless side that you really control your cultivation side of the business because uh, you need to control how to how to control the resin and handle handle the resin and long story short i we learned how to Learned a lot of our techniques out in Seattle from a guy named Kush for Breakfast, Abe, uh, one of one of the best, and um, and the Goat Organics guys who are now I forget what their band is now, but they they, they taught us a lot out in Seattle. So, anyways, just wanted to kick it to, to your local region. Um, hey. But uh, yeah, that's kind of and it's been ups and downs ever since. That was 2008, 2009 when I started on the legal side of the business, and um, you know, eleven. 11 years there's been a lot of ups and downs a lot of wins a lot of losses um a roller coaster but it's been i love it i love what i do haven't made a shit ton of money but i still love it and we're keeping pushing forward and keep building a brand that i'm proud of and a team of people that i love working with and that's that's really what it's all about awesome so if 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 uh if it sounds correct here from you right like so you you got into you kind of cut your teeth and really like made a name on concentrates and then when you moved to rosin is that when you feel like you really learned how to like up the game of just growing flour or do you feel like you had the flour kind of on point up until yeah it's a really good question um i didn't take the flour as seriously i, I always wanted quality over everything it was always my thing it's like i want to i want to grow and make what i smoke like there's not i don't want to put a product to the market that i won't consume myself and i've been a weed snob and nerd my whole life so it's it had to be up to a certain quality but we took it to another level when i really started to understand the plant better i really looked at the biology of the plants and the chemistry of the plants and really understood what the trichome and how the trichome works and how the membrane is it acts with certain temperatures and how the terpenes off gas and, and just kind of really just got a better grasp on the plant is when we started focusing on uh, more of the detail in the cultivation process too. But, you know, we also like, we brought a lot of OGs out from California to Colorado back in 2008, 2009. So we were known for having some best flour too. Um, so flour was always part of our game, but it was about 2012 when I said, fuck it, let's just turn everything we grow into fresh frozen and, and we'll, we'll worry about the flour later. And, mm. I really took a step and then in 2017 the people the people our fans and customers were like you guys gotta start drying flour again and we're like all right we'll do it on a small batch basis and then we realized that not a lot of people were doing high-grade cannabis flour mm -hmm. packaged in jars the right way in colorado and california so we're like let's expand that business a little bit in colorado we drop like once every few months it's a very small batch right now we're looking for another cultivation facility in California, um, we drop pretty consistently. About twenty percent of our business is flour. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, the Colorado. My, my, I've only been to Colorado twice, uh, and my experience with the flour out there overall, it's been kind of weak. You know. Yeah, I'm it just it's ignorant, it, but 
it's tricky with the with the with the humidity so low out there and yeah. uh we it just dries out so fast if you don't you know the cures I, I tell everybody this like you know this from all your experience like 90% of the quality product is in the cure in my opinion mm -hmm. because you can grow great weed on that plant but it's really volatile afterwards like you need to, to handle it really really well make sure that resin doesn't get over dried you can never bring proper moisture back in in my opinion so there's there's so many things and yeah I agree with you Colorado overall the flower was pretty pretty poor over the years yeah so so you feel so you, you have such an interesting story of like coming from the east coast to california like you know a lot of people not not just for legalization but pre-legal is that you know in, in the medical days and even predating that right i've met a lot of people in the humble and mendel that are originally from jersey or somewhere on the east coast and just came out there to grow weed um, but it's interesting you came to cali for weed and then kind of followed legalization to colorado um, and then at the, so at that time, did you kind of, were you kind of in both States or were you just focused on Colorado and then kind of sprung back into California? Yeah, I moved my whole life. My fiance at the time moved with me to Colorado. She was a talent agent in Beverly Hills and she's like, I'm going for it with you. And she ran the dispensary side and I ran kind of the wholesale cultivation side. Um, but, uh, yeah, I moved out just to be clear. I moved to LA for the lifestyle and, and, and right, 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 right. But, but um, uh, yeah, so we, we in 2009, I fully went Colorado until we brought it back in 2015, 16, when we, start, we started things back in the 215 and then partnered up with uh, a, a partner out here who we brought on who uh, financed the California expansion and then the, the relaunch in Colorado. And it's been a great partnership for the last four and a half years. And, uh, and that's when we bought a facility in Oakland and built that out. And... And 2015 is when we launched both states, essentially, to build out and everything. We got live in 2017 in California on the, the recreational side and the medical side. Um, but we were kind of playing around in the 215 model a little bit before that as well. Okay. And then, so I don't, I've, I've seen this online and I've heard people talking about it on, on Clubhouse, but where, you know, people seem to credit you, you, 710 Labs or you specifically with like the low temp dab. I don't know if it's originating it or really pushing kind of the flavor over just like what you're talking about early, you know, early on when we didn't know about dab and we just fucking torched that. Shit, you know? Yeah. I'll show you our kind of our neons. We saw that are the, the uh, oh shit. yeah. Can you see that? It says yeah, yeah. Uh, no hot dabs. <laughs> um but uh yeah like i was telling you earlier like um we ruined a lot of people's lungs including my own many times because we were just dropping that hash on there concentrates on there really red hot for the 2009 to i don't know 2013 2012 2013 and while you got really high and it was enjoyable a lot of the time there's times that it wasn't enjoyable and you coughed right. for hours and we just we were we were burning it we were burning the flavor we were torching the cannabinoids and we really wanted to start educating people on on how to properly dab and and, and a low temp dab I, I constantly say it like if i'm mod if, if i'm administering a low temp dab for a first time dabber i'm confident they're going to have an amazing flavor and amazing high like it's all about dosing with, with concentrates in my opinion and it got a really bad bad rap because we weren't doing it properly and i mm -hmm. take full responsibility and you know for the rest of the industry too that we were just kind of being ignorant with it and uh, and didn't know what we were doing. And um, a lot of people said, I'm never going to fuck with that again because it was a horrible experience or whatever. But uh, low temp dabbing is is uh, 
the best for flavor and high, in my opinion. And then you can ramp it up. If some people like to take hot dabs still, I know a bunch of friends that are like, yeah, I like it a little warmer. That's cool too. It's not for me, but yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, it's my personal experience. You know, the first time I ever had a dab was, you know, right out of the Pyrex in the back of a medical shop in Seattle. And I, I couldn't even clear the bowl and I had, you know, I was saliva going everywhere yeah i was almost dead i couldn't even i couldn't even drive that was like the that's the only time i can remember being so high i was like bro i I don't i'm not driving someone else has got to drive at the same story i tell people that first dab i took in encino at this at that hash bar i was like this is the first time i I can't drive from weed like ever (laughs) oh man yeah that's yeah that's bringing back memory so when once 710 labs got started how much did you put into like branding and marketing i know you obviously you're from you know fat like you said fashion entertainment so there's some sort of background there but like how much emphasis was on branding and marketing and then how much or as opposed to like how much emphasis was on just product development yeah really good question you know product quality has always been first for us in terms of the product has to be good we always know i've sold weed for a long time i always knew that the best weed sold the fastest and you might sit on some mids, you might sit on some outdoor that's uh, not mm-hmm. cured properly. It's always, all of it's going to move over time, but it's what, what moves the fastest. And, and we knew that quality product would always move even in a competitive market. And, but then we realized that, you know, for, I, I, I come from, like you said, the fashion space. And um, I noticed, I kind of have a good eye for like what, what's hot, what's not, I guess. And, um, I noticed there was just not really good branding packaging in the space. It was very still today. It's pretty weak. Um, Mm -hmm. So we wanted to take that level up too. And, and it wasn't just about the packaging and branding. It was just like building that, that customer experience, Mm -hmm. Um, building that connection with the customer so that they love our brand no matter what. But first and foremost, they got to like the product and then all the other stuff that comes with it is kind of an added bonus. That's the way we look at it. Yeah. So what what have been what have been some like monumental steps you feel like in etching out your guys' brand? Can you look back and see any like tent poles or milestones where you like that really helped solidify our place in the market? Yeah, um, we well we've always been like so. The first thing we did in my first dispensary was we wanted to do a recycle program with these glass jars, and we found these Miron jars through a friend. Um, and they're UV protective and they're the best thing to store any sort of cosmetic and plant or, or herb and uh, and they work great for cannabis so that was the kind of the first thing that kind of helped innovate us we were using glass jars everyone's using plastic pop tops in 2009 they weren't even mm-hmm. thinking that like well let's spend if we spend I'll spend a dollar on it they're spending 25 30 cents on a jar I'll spend a dollar on a jar I know that's gonna be worth it in the long run especially when people are recycling them and um, helping with the environment and uh, so that was kind of the first innovation and then there's been so many that we've focused on ever since we've had some milestones I think we, when we did our rebrand and our re-logo and everything in 2017 we brought on a CMO um, from actually the fashion industry as well uh, she did a lot of different stuff wellness and fashion but um, she's fucking a rock star Molly she's like a, 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 she's she's worked her way up to be a partner in the business and and uh, can't say enough great things. And and once she came on, we kind of took things to the next level. We did some virtual egg hunts where uh, there was um, a virtual or a virtual scavenger hunt where uh, you had to like there's ten clues and you got a year's worth of hash and flour first one done. And we got like seven thousand entries. Oh, it took the winner a week to do it. Like 
the seventh clue out of ten was like you had to drive to Area 51 and take a dab and show us a, send us a picture. And like we were joking, but like actually seven people did it. And like we would have taken like a Photoshop, like you know, just a Photoshop online as, as and given you the password to the next answer. But it was it's pretty cool what we built this community we built. It's awesome. It keeps growing every day. And um, just I'm proud of uh, proud of the brand and the product that we're putting out. Yeah, and then I, I also know, again, from listening into you talking on Clubhouse, that you guys kept your Instagram page private. And in the conversation I was listening on, you were talking about taking it off private. I don't, so my question is, have you done that? And then two, how has it been building an Instagram page and this following, A, with all the shit that cannabis has to deal with, and B, while having yourself you know, a private profile, which you know makes you a little bit less inclusive for people just browsing? That's been a fucking roller coaster, this whole Instagram thing. First off, like I'd say like ninety percent of our business is based off Instagram at this point. It's pretty fucking wild, like how dependent we are on it. Um and yeah, so we were private since the inception because we thought that was the safest thing to do, which proved out right. We got removed once and then they said it was a mistake while we were private. That was like a couple years ago. And then as of recent, we went public after that. You heard that clubhouse. I finally just said, fuck it, let's do it. And um, we were public for like a month, month and a half, maybe two. And we just went private again because we were getting all these warnings from Instagram. You, you might be deleted, you're bullying, and you're racist. And on like a hash picture that had nothing to do with any sort of anything. It was just like, it's happening a lot right now to a lot of different, different uh, pages. But we just went private again. And it was cool going public. We could do the swipe up for our merch drops, and there are some definitely some benefits. But what we did notice is we weren't gaining followers like we were when we were private. Mm-hmm. Like, and obviously that has to do with like you can't see our page until you follow us. So, you know, there's that aspect. But there's also some other algorithms going on because it just didn't make sense the drastic drop. Like we were getting five hundred, five to seven hundred a day before followers, and then when we went public, it was like. 50 so it was like a huge drastic drop in terms of how many followers we're getting but uh so we're private now and we're just gonna stick it out like i i I, we talk about all the time it's so arbitrary like who they remove and who they give a blue check mark to like seth rogan house plant just got a blue check mark after being live for a few days like and they're promoting weed like it's it's just so crazy yeah, I've, uh, that's what I, you know, my background before cannabis is in digital marketing and Facebook ads for different industries and, and then coming into cannabis, like knowing all the, you know, the, the legislation in Washington and California, and then knowing the Instagram terms of service to as best of they write it and still following that. And then like some of our accounts get taken down and some are still up and it's like, it doesn't, you know, correlate, oh, we push the envelope here a little bit. So we get, it's like really it's so fucking random you know it's 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 painful what's crazy is they control they control the advertising of our business like we don't have any there's like any whim they could just remove your your whole platform and it's like it's so it's when you really think about it it's it's some crazy like money control like holy shit like it's it's the future but yeah yeah, I've, I've dealt with uh, I've dealt with their 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 team on the phone, which I know is really hard to get. But because I do advertising, I have some contacts at Facebook and talking to them. And then I met someone in Instagram. It wasn't even a cannabis; it was just a digital marketing clubhouse. And this girl was like, "Oh, I work for Instagram in the terms of service." So I was like, "Yo, I got a question. I got a question." I got... They let me talk, and I was like, 
the whole thing was about how shadow banning isn't a thing. And I was like, okay, I hear you, but what about cannabis? And she got dead silent and was like, well, I can't say this. I can't, she's like, I'm trying to figure out what to say so I don't get in trouble. She's like, there is no such thing as a shadow ban, but there are exceptions. So I'm like, so there's a fucking shadow ban is what you're saying. Like, I don't know, man. It's, it's, wow. It's, it's, I always it, wondered if other industries got shadow banned like that. I guess no, not. she, she, she swore yeah. that it does not exist, but apparently it, it does. <laughs> in cannabis. I don't, Interesting. I don't know what, what they've told me on the phone previously. I've dealt with a couple of people that have been really cool, you know, tried like been really cool, but obviously they've got to stick to the, the guidelines of what they say. Yeah. And basically what I've been told is we draw the lines, you know, you know, the lines are drawn in the sand, but when it comes to cannabis, it's a little blurry and we draw them a little bit differently, but we can't expose how they're drawn because then you would know how to work around them. And I, I tried telling them that's like a police officer telling me, hey, I'm not going to tell you any of the laws or the speed limits, but they're out there and don't fuck up. Like, yeah. just, that doesn't make any sense, you know? So um, I think I know a lot of people in the industry think that Instagram and stuff is going to get loosen up on cannabis i don't see that coming i just hope they define the lines a little clearer and, and yeah communicate that that makes uh, sense yeah but i don't i mean that's just my personal thing so what do you feel like because you know it's interesting being up here in the, in the seattle in the washington market like instagram is just not you know like what somebody in california would complain oh i only have x amount of followers like nobody in our market even has that amount of followers or do they really care so like what is what's kind of your whether it's marketing or branding? What's what's kind of your take on on the California market as a whole? Um, got to connect with your customer. Um, I think it's still being shaped the California market. Um, it's uh, there's some brands that are really doing well. Uh, I'd say like Alien Labs is one that's really connected with their customer. They put out great product. We um, when we do analytics, we compare a lot ourselves a lot to them just because. We're around the same amount of followers. We are in the same amount of stores. We have the same kind of model and customer that spends a lot of money. Um, and, you know, uh, but the California market is, uh, it's, it's shaping up. Colorado's, I lo always look at Colorado as like a more mature market. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the Colorado, California is going to follow that. I think there's going to be a lot of consolidation here um, over the next five years. Um, but, um, in terms of the marketing branding side, it's like, how do you do something different and, and, and not, and authentic? It's all about something authentic. It's gotta be, it's, you gotta, that, that's the key to me is like, just be real with people and, and that'll come through, whether it's social media, whether it's so, engagement in a dispensary, whether it's, um, you know, we have a lot of different initiatives in terms of the different product lines we're, we're rolling out. And then the biggest piece to me is education. Like, that's why uh, we just launched this kind of new educational platform where it's not just our, we have a 710 Labs EDU page, which uh, is doing really well where we do a different topic every week um, and kind of educate on that topic. And now we're kind of uh, not just going to use Instagram, we're going to use Clubhouse, we're going to use YouTube, we're going to use um, our blog on our website to kind of expand the, the educational platform. And and that's that's a big piece of our, of our next 18 months. Um, because it's just, it's the industry needs it, bud tenders need it, the consumers need it, even our own team members, some of us need it. I still learn every day, I don't know everything, like mm -hmm. we're learning about this plan each day. And it's, uh, we only found out like 40 something years ago that we have an endocannabinoid system in our bodies and the human humans. It's like, when you put that in perspective, it's like, you know, 
So anyways, um, so the educational piece is a big piece. And we just did our third clubhouse today. Sunday is at 11. We have our EDU page. We just got an, our, our club, our little greenhouse got approved. And uh, we're going to recap every week. Our, our topic this week was about uh, strains versus cultivars. What's the okay. difference and what, what, why we're switching to use the word cultivar instead of strain. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Could you could you give me the the, the little elevator pitch on on that? Like the little the quick. It's just action? more. It's more agricultural strains that are looking at viruses and different varieties of all sorts of things. Where cultivar specific to plants. Okay. Um, but that's the high level of it. It gets a little more nuanced that you can read about on our page. But yeah. Sure. Sure. What? So what do you think? I mean, I know you kind of touched on it. Like you feel like California is going to follow the way of. Um, you know, or just more mature markets like a Colorado. What, what do you kind of see as the future? of, you know, can't, can't, well, A, kind of cannabis in California and, and the legal market. And then where do you kind of see this going as we move closer to, to federal legalization? Yeah, I think I'll speak for ourselves. And I believe the rest of the market is, is going to follow. I think we're converting a lot of our business over to direct to consumer. Um, so this last 12 months, we converted about 30, 35% over. Um, and we plan on doing another 35. And then 30% or so of, will be, of our business will be dispensaries still, whether we have one of our own or just like main hubs in every city. We're not going to, with our product specifically, it's hard to transport. you got to keep it cold. Mm -hmm. uh, we're really particular about how to store our products. Um, so it's easier with less dispensaries, but bigger volume dispensaries. People that are going to actually buy into our program, educate their bud tenders. Let us educate them once a week, once a month. Uh, we have a whole quiz that we're putting on our back end of our, our website with videos and content to uh, ed be educated on our products to get qualified. And um, so I think direct to consumer is going to be a big a big part of, of the California market and the national market. Um, in terms of federal legalization, I, I always just say I have no fucking idea because I don't. And I just, you know, I just roll with the punches and sure. if it happens, it happens. But I'm not, you know, I'm not in a rush want to keep building what we're building and we'll follow the state laws and follow the federal mandates and you know banking would be nice for sure um just you know that that whole situation's been a nightmare but it's, it's smoothing out slowly but surely and um you know i'm excited for the future it's uh it's one day at a time for us trying to stay laser focused on california colorado michigan and florida those are the two markets we're entering next okay. and and actually washington's one that we really want to enter we're, we're in talks with a group up there in the wenatchee area um to uh build an indoor facility on their property and 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 work some sort of deal out but uh you know um just just one state at a time and, and making sure the quality is consistent over every state there's not many many companies that are doing that right now so no no, that's absolutely right. I mean, it's definitely been the, you know, that's the classic startup model is what we see most, most people that are scaling are scaling by a startup where it's like just whatever press and awareness we can get, let's leverage that for more dollars and then leverage that for more dollars. And we'll like figure out the other shit in the back yeah. end, you know, and that's just not, not the way you're going to be able to scale something that people have such a deep connection to the product, like, like cannabis. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, they'll yeah. probably with all the money they have they'll probably figure it out at some point but sure. and they'll have so much market share but you're right like this this it's a different type of complex plant that we've never seen you know consumers work with before so so where do you say i mean and you and you cannot if you guys are putting a lot of energy into this but you know it sounds like you've been kind of a little bit ahead of the curve as far as like the product trends and and just development right like you you saw early on dabs 
low temp dabs. And then just judging by the years you were set, you were standing out, like seemed to be pretty ahead of the curve on solvent list um, in terms of the trends of when it's hitting, like, you know, the industry. So do you have any insight on like what you think might be some of the next trends? And again, if that's something you guys are investing a lot in and don't want to put that out there, then you don't got to let that information out. But yeah, it's one of those things that like we figure out the trends from like the trendsetters and the culture of the industry, the real deep roots to the culture. So there's a bunch of techniques people are working on. We're listening to in terms of curing, in terms of hash making, and we're open to it all. You know, the big thing that, that we're focused on is like how to scale this and still maintain quality because it's so craft. Um, but in terms of like the trends that are coming, like I think you'll start to see like the distillate kind of go away a little bit in terms of uh, more of a commodity. I mean, it's been commoditized, but I think that, um, you know, the terpenes are going to be still maintain a lot of the value. Cannabis derived terpenes, I think, are, are going to be hugely valued in this market because they're so hard to grow and then also maintain their integrity throughout the process. So, um, I don't know, though. It's a good question. You know, we're, we're, we're launching a rosin, the solventless vape pod. Uh, in Q3 this year, I think you'll start seeing a lot of those. Whether they're all great or not well, is yet to be seen, but I think you're going to start seeing a shift, more shift to solventless. I think you're going to see a shift to full spectrum more so than, than um, isolated cannabinoids. I think you're going to see a lot of cultivar-specific stuff, cultivar-specific edibles, um, cultivar-specific RSO that we just launched that's doing really well. Um, you know, uh, those are, uh, yeah. That's kind of where I th where I think things are going. And so for you, you as a personal consumer, what 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 a uh, product type are you kind of like most hyped on right at this current moment? I, I consume most of my consumption as water hash, so okay. full melt water hash, bubble hash, whatever you want to call it, ice wax. Um, that's what I smoke most of the time. That and flour. I smoke some rosin, um, but I prefer the unadulterated heads, which are the trichome heads, perfectly extracted in ice cold water. Um, and then use the sublimation process to remove the, remove the water quickly um, to maintain those trichome heads, with the, which are the juiciest parts of the cannabis plant. And I like per those perfectly melted. There's not much better in the world than, than dabbing some water hash for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can dig that. So you say you still you still on flour here a little bit? Yeah, I smoke like yeah. three joints a day. Hand okay. roll, we, we do our hand-rolled hand noodle doinks, which is... Uh, we use a fusilli noodle as the filter, and uh, it's gluten-free because we dropped him one day, and a celiac patient like came after us, like you need to do the gluten-free one. They're like, no problem. So we're doing these gluten-free, uh, literally like rotini noodles as the filter. We hand roll them, break up the nugs by hand, um, and they're joints that I want to smoke because there's no pre-roll on the market. That's how we kind of create our products. Is like, what isn't on the market that I want to go buy? And yeah. you go to a dispensary and you buy a pre-roll, and they taste like shit. So, literally top colas hand rolled by hand we got 10 second tom that's a fucking speed demon with them now and uh and he uh yeah we're cranking them out and, and we can't keep them on the shelves so i smoke the noodle doinks and the water hash mostly okay yeah no that's totally i mean you're, you're right on par with the with the pre-rolls but you know recreation hit up here in washington like trim joints were kind of the standard i feel like until people started calling out like yo your shit is straight trim and then they they moved up to like shake, you know, some, some people yes. just auto grind it, but you know, that's, I'm, I'm a long time smoker and I like to roll. So like, it's part of the experience to me, but it's also, I totally feel you as a consumer. There's very few joints that like 
taste or feel right, you know, like a yeah. joint should. It, they all yeah. feel like a joint that you rolled, you know, way too tight fucking six months ago and found somewhere. Yeah. So, man, um, what what is so you know we do a lot of uh, you know reviews on strains uh, uh, or just product reviews, right? And so, what are some of the strains that are you that you're most hyped on? due to like the taste alone it might not necessarily be the potency or the overall but what are some strains out there that you are really getting a lot of value in the taste in right now um you know other than like the like my one of my favorite flavors in the world like probably top two is skittles the true skittles flower is like second to none for me um a lot of the gelato crosses i love the sherberts i love um there's gonna be some new flavors coming out i mean like uh we're working on a purple line right now to bring back that like GDP purple mm-hmm. Urkel flavors, um, and uh, and I think there'll be some new ones. We just popped some seeds of uh, some deep line alchemy from uh, from Bodhi seeds, and there was one terp in there from one of the phenos that we we just hunted. Like I haven't smelled that one before. It's really unique. Like I want to say like rubber, but not rubber. Like. Um, Ah man, how do I describe it? It was just so funky. I I, I gotta keep. I only smoked one gram, so I gotta Sweet. I gotta smoke more to really figure out what it smells like. But it's just a new turp. Um, and then I think a lot of people are gonna go back to like the land races. Um, to really trying to hunt for those land races and kind of find find some unique stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was with there's there's a uh, couple guys up here that that breed pretty heavy, and that's that's what they were they were kind of just speculating, right? Like we got a little bit gone not maybe too far but really far on the crazy crosses and hype this and hype that and like you know everything kind of follows trends so they were thinking it might might trend back to like what you're saying a little bit more like the, the great 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 grandparents of a couple of these totally these cuts man so yeah um awesome man well i i super super appreciate you joining us tonight man again making the time on sunday um just my last you know my last question is there anything else out there that you'd like to plug uh, anything that you, you know, main points you really want people to know about 710 Labs? No, just come check us out. Um, DM us on Instagram. We're totally receptive and, and talk to everybody. Um, you know, uh, just quality over everything. Don't worry, be hashy. Smoke more hash. does a body good. And, uh, yeah, man, just thanks for having me. Dope, man. I, I super appreciate it, Brad. I'll let you get out of here and get ready for a, for a Monday up at the facility. I know you got a mob ahead of you, man. So, yeah, uh, yeah thank you again for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. Take it All easy. Right, All right, guys. That was Brad from 710 Labs, um, uh, uh, just a power player in the California cannabis market, um, also in the Colorado market, California and Colorado multi-state operator. But also, as you heard, you know, if you listen to that whole conversation, someone that's, um, you know, from the culture, been doing this for a long time, you know, multi-state operators, MSOs, whatever you want to call them, get a lot of, of flack at times for for being the aggressive businesses scaling that might not be from the culture, but there are some uh, that are really packed, you know, that are from the culture. And then clearly everything you hear from him. And then if you're aware of their products and how they do, and even their reputation in the marketplace, they are clearly putting consumers first. And if you heard him like kind of talk about like, you know, what I got from it is like one of the biggest things for them goal wise, struggle wise is scaling while maintaining that quality. And so, you know, from, from my standpoint, a lot of the people I've met and traveled, 
Um, people that really care about the quality of their product, really care about patients, really care about where this industry is from and where it's headed. That is something that consistently comes out of their mouth. How do we scale while keeping quality? Because obviously as a business, the goal is to scale, is to go bigger, but also at the same time as someone that's really from this culture, how can we keep preserve the quality of this products? Whereas there are plenty of companies out there that are scale, 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 scale. Quality is secondary to that. Um, you know, real blessed to have him here again for the you guys that didn't miss it. You know, Joey's not here this week. Um, the Jay Pinger, um, I'll be back again, I believe next week we got some, me and him got some traveling over the next couple of weeks. So we'll see what, what Sundays we'll be having. Um, really appreciate everyone joining in today. Uh, this episode, if you did miss it, will be live. You can watch the stream on our Facebook. Uh, it should be hosted on our YouTube as well. And then it'll be uploaded to Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts at, um, you can check more content out at respectmyregion.com, facebook.com backslash respectmyregion, twitter.com backslash backslash respectmyregion, instagram.com backslash at respectmyregion.us because they deleted us for cannabis once and we can't own our, our uh, original handle. But thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, hope you got some information out of that, some game. I know I did. Again, this podcast is based on music and cannabis, but we talk about branding and business as the intersection. And I don't care if you're building an artist brand, what goes into that and the marketing also goes directly apprised to building a cannabis brand or any brand for that. Into, uh, for, 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 uh, lost my words, but they, they go hand in hand and backwards. Anything that goes into building a cannabis brand goes into a music. If you apply the same mindsets, techniques, principles, and things like that. So regardless if you're in cannabis or music, or you're just an entrepreneur, there is game to be had in that. If you didn't get it, if you're watching this and you're like, man, I didn't get anything from this, I will watch it back and you will for sure get something from there. I guarantee it. If not, DM me and I will tell you you're a loser. Okay. Thank you guys for checking us out today. Appreciate you guys. Respectmoreason.com. I'm out.